0: What up guys? Welcome back to the Desk bound Therapy Podcast. I'm your host David London and today is episode 20. It is going to be an extremely special episode. I'm here with my buddy Jason Isaacs, co-host of this episode of the Desk bound Therapy Podcast and we're talking about mental health and mindfulness for desk professionals with my good friend Ali Salama. He's a mental health ambassador, good friend of mine from Toronto. Really excited to do this episode together today so stay tuned. For episode 20 of the Desk Mount Therapy Podcast. Are you looking to improve your posture to optimize your strength training? Are you looking to reduce your back pain while you're working at your desk? Or improve your flexibility for weightlifting? If you answered yes to any of those three questions, send me a message right now on Instagram at Desk Mount Therapy. Or email me david at Desk And we can get you started today with our virtual online coaching right from your house. what up guys welcome back to the desk Mountain therapy podcast i'm your host david london and today for episode 20 the last episode of season one i have two special guests i'm here with jason and ali salama of empower mag so why don't you jason you go first introduce yourself and we'll hand it over to ali yeah
1: uh, sure nice to meet everyone I'm, I'm jason i'm a phd student in clinical psych in dow and just super happy to be here
0: Yeah, today we're going to be talking about Mental Health for Deskbound Professionals with Ali. So why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and how you got started into mental health and why you're so passionate about it?
2: Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you guys for having me here. Uh, My name is Ali, Ali Salama. And uh, in short, I, I, I never thought I'd actually, you know, be on a podcast like this, let alone, you know, being an ambassador for mental health. I think these things uh, are things that you know become stories that you uh, that you never planned for, right? Uh, due to personal experiences. Uh, but in short, I'll just uh, say that I didn't. I had a. I come from a former professional swimming background, a career that uh, I swam in the world championships. And uh, being that tough man, I never thought that I'd go through what I went through, and it made me realize and see the world in a very different, uh, in a very different perspective and image. And I decided to be the voice that, you know, I wish I once had when I was going through that experience. And at the moment, I founded the, the Middle East Mental Health Magazine. It's a, it's called Empower. And honestly, it's just been a journey since then. Harvard recognized it. I went to a conference that I met a, 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 a person whom I now call my father. He became my mentor. Shortly, I realized that he was the consultant for the World Health Organization. Sooner or later, I became this this voice that 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 spoke for so many people that needed uh, needed 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 it um, in the Middle East, and now I'm living in Toronto, um, putting events for for youth and and talking more on that perspective. Because as you know, from where I come from, uh, i.e. the Middle East, mental health is heavily stigmatized. And here I have the opportunity to come out as a proud Canadian and talk and, and be on shows like this with you. So again, thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, man. It sounds like you have a really great story there behind your why, and that's you, we can really see it in your passion, what everything you're doing. With the thank you. It's interesting because you talk about it in the youth mental health, and it seems like we don't deal with a lot of these issues until it's not maybe you know almost too late till we're like you know in university age when you know it starts to you start to really get stressed and your schedules and your routines change, and then people start to you know have these issues, but. It's interesting. Your perspective of educating the youth is so important because it's just not talked about in those younger populations.
2: Yeah, a hundred percent. Go for it, Jason.
1: Yeah. So I. Yeah. I mean, just like David was saying, it's it's true. Like a lot of the time, you don't hear about this until you actually get to a, a certain phase in your life. You know, a lot of new stuff is happening. People are moving away, getting jobs, going to college or university. So maybe I was kind of wondering if you could talk a bit more about that transition and what that was like for you, you know, jumping into this initiative kind of around that time. Like, what did that look like for you?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, for sure. Look, I, I, I just believe that I, uh, I, I transitioned in a way that I moved away from all my support system. So that wasn't, and I didn't, I never realized how important, um, Support systems are until I couldn't find help, and you know, as a man, as 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 an alpha male, as this athlete, as this tough guy, if I didn't fit in, so what? It didn't matter to me. But what you what I didn't comprehend is that you didn't need people for you, you for your own benefit in terms of yeah, being being with them. You needed people because you can't live without people. We're biologically wired and. It doesn't become an ego thing. It becomes a a, a psychological thing. It, we're hardwired for other people, whether I like it or not. So distancing myself in a way you could say that I threw myself in that hole, but I learned so much out of the human psyche um, that I wouldn't have ever learned. So back to your question, how did I jump from 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 or bridge that gap from from high school to, to, to university, or how did I start that initiative? I just think that they're both the same answer and that's just reaching out um, and finding people that are like you because sometimes when you when, when you enter a university or when you enter a community and you feel that people, no, no one's the same skin color no one talks the same mother tongue as you, you you kind of want to segregate yourself and you want to you know put yourself box yourself somewhere and watch Netflix and find your own world in the digital like medium but that isn't reality and 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 it bites you it bites you in the ass you know when you realize that wow I I I need to talk to someone and 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 when you when you ignore that that need becomes bigger and bigger and bigger until you you know become clinically depressed which I hope no one ever reaches that stage Mm
1: -hmm. interesting yeah it just sounds super inspirational kind of everything you you went through and just realizing that this was important to you and it sounds like you were kind of at a time where it was vital to be able to reach out and create this initiative and just help other people become a part of it as well.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean I'm I'm very grateful to have to have a mother and for people that are listening to the audience or the listeners that are are, are, are able to listen to the message here. It doesn't have to be a mom. It doesn't have to be a friends become and for, to me that was a a big thing moving, moving away from my family at a young age. Um, I had to make sure that, you know, I, I had to take that into control and, and, and figure out who those people were because you have to be around people you trust and people that will love you unconditionally, whether it be a, a friend, a brother, a significant other, that is so important to your life. And it's not about, um, it's not an ego game here. It's about understanding the basic human need no matter how much of a man or a tough guy you think you are which I once thought I was I mean you was the, I was the kid that that, that 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 from grade four would wake up at 4 a.m every other day to be in the pool at 5 a.m to finish practice by seven to be in class by 8 a.m you know all the way to grade 9 ten so talk about mental grit and mental toughness you know and and I still I still fell into that pit hole. so no one's immune to that and that's 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 what I wanted to put out there to to, to, to the viewers listening.
0: Yeah, and it happens to a lot of in the media recently. A lot of professional athletes have been going through things, and even some like sing, singers and stuff like that go into rehab, and they have these issues. So, it, it it really helps shine a light on that that you know nobody's perfect, and everyone experiences you know a certain amount of of mental health issues because it's really okay to have. But I like I like how you're saying you know having that support network because it's true, especially, you know, in in the office place setting or sometimes people are very quiet about it and they just, and you want them to open up to you, but it's about having that trust because they need to be in a a trusting environment to open up. But it's also other things that you can do to support them. It may not be like looking down on them, but just, just be, be a friendly person and show you care about them. And that can definitely help them eventually towards, you know,
1: trying to seek some help, but just trying to provide that initial comfort. Yeah. And just to add on to that as well, you know, you, you talk about how this is so evolutionarily primed to just be social and be around people. And it's true, you know, like when we think about people who are, you know, who get sent to prison for a crime, for example, like whether it's at a maximum or at a minimum level security prison, you know, the, the worst type of treatment that they get is going to solitary confinement. And, you know, if you ask anyone who's been incarcerated, they'll tell you, you know, just getting locked away by yourself is is the worst thing that could happen. You know, you're thinking you're thinking to yourself like, well, if you're in a cell block with other people who, you know, that you know maybe you, you don't know them too well, it like it's a bit of a scarier environment. No one would describe that ever as bad as just being locked away because it's just that aloneness that is so difficult to sit with. And like you were saying, David, you know, it's you could kind of feel that, and I could imagine in the office sometimes as well. If you're, you know, if you do feel kind of farther removed or just to, if you don't have those social connections there
2: yeah and and we live in an epidemic of loneliness actually people people are are are, are lonelier than ever um especially millennials um i mean back in the day a, a friend of mine he's called uh, Scott scott st marie um his youtube channel is depression to expression um he was giving a ted talk uh two days ago and i uh, I attended it, and basically the TED was all about why mental health awareness isn't working, and it's, uh, it's it it relate it hits back to your point and and back to loneliness. It talks. It, he was talking about how we should um, actually be there for our friends because, I mean, he he has a he has around two hundred and fifty k subscribers, and with his community, he put a question out uh, there to them, and he asked them if you had free therapy or if you were to choose two close friends, um, uh, he wanted to see how many people uh, would choose free therapy for life versus choosing two close best friends. And the uh, 70% of people, uh, we're talking about over a thousand people voted that they would love to have two close friends that they could share things with. So, I mean, the conversation is, uh, while we're you know shouting mental health matters, mental health uh, is health and all this cool stuff, I mean, some people are actually being left in the collateral, right? Uh left in the dark. And those people aren't the people that can't those people aren't the people that can go out and, and say all these cool things because those are the people that are left in the dark. And we have to sort of ask ourselves, uh, am I checking on anyone I know? And and, and we have to ask ourselves really deep questions here because while the noise is happening, some people are are, are 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 really silent and and they're the ones that are actually suffering, so ooh, this goes back to this loneliness question right uh people are afraid people don't think that it's 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 uh, it's 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 vulnerability is, is strength, and that's essentially why I get up every day in the morning because I feel that you know I wish I had someone to, to tell me that I, I had to figure it out, but I think that the beauty of figuring it out is that you can also Give that into the world. And I think that becomes your purpose. And just like we all figure out our purposes along we, uh, along the journey, it's a journey and a continuous growth. But that is what I wanted to say on loneliness. And I think people need to listen uh, when, when, when we say that, hey, there's someone you know out there that's feeling incredibly lonely. So please make sure you message first. Don't wait for people. Even if you're feeling like you're alone, Get out and make sure that do your best to get out and reach out. There's no such thing as uh, as as you'll be looked upon weak. We are all weak. I am weak. We are all weak at our core. But being weak and vulnerable is how we can really become the strongest that we can ever be. You know. So that's a message that uh, loneliness isn't 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 the end all and be all. But we have to really take that into consideration when we look at ourselves in our circles and that's why support system which is the first point i ever mentioned was uh was ext- it is tilted this there is is tilted to- is till today
0: so and vitally important yeah he brings up a lot of great points there about you know being open to you know being lonely because a lot of times especially in this day and age with all that social media we spend a lot of time you know comparing ourselves to others and thinking you know we should be perfect but i love how you say we're all weak and and and, and it's good to be vulnerable because that really opens up the area for growth if, if you can you know accept these things and then that way you, and maybe not let them change you but just accept what's going on and try to see things differently especially like the social media can I can definitely, there's been a lot of studies contribute to, you know, mental health issues, comparison issues, self-doubt and stuff like that. So it's about, you know, putting all the things together, right. And using them appropriately.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And just to, to tack onto that, you know, you mentioned this point as well about how, you know, that sense of vulnerability is is there, especially like if you're feeling particularly lonely or or alone and a lot of the time, yeah, you know, it, it's really super difficult to to kind of challenge that vulnerability and take a more, active approach. And yeah, I think that that's, that's really honorable when, when people can do that. And it sounds like, you know, what, what you're doing here is really to help people face that fear a lot of the time and really try to take more of that active approach when they're in a more vulnerable position or, you know, when they do feel like it's easier just to be more passive because maybe the alternative will be scarier, for example.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and here's the thing, I, I, I do believe that we have to collectively play a role together, whether we're men or women, because I, I do believe that the the issue with masculinity and challenging the, the the you know the the norms or the 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 perception or or just the word masculinity, I think that we're living in an age where that notion is really being challenged because you know men have held on for so long. Um, emotionally, of course, during the so many historical events have happened over the past couple of years, whether it be all, all, all over the world, you know, and I feel that emotionally uh, men haven't been able or taught to display emotions well, and that builds up, that is trauma, it builds up, and, 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 and I always hear, um, you know, I grew up around locker room talks, and I grew up in that go kill it mentality, and I still have that. But I always make sure to separate when when that is a a, 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 uh, a destructive mentality versus a, a a self sort of competitive mentality because you know sometimes we really have to distinguish that but it takes a lot of self-awareness to do that. but nonetheless, what I wanted to, to, to sort of communicate here is that we have to be able to create an environment where men and and I, and I speak to women here as well because sometimes men, can't even be vulnerable with their significant others, with their partners. And, you know, it just becomes a matter of, yeah, well, we all have to play a role here, right? You can't, you can't have preconceived notions and still use words and, and even if you, it, you can't joke about certain things and you have to communicate and, and, and be uh, open and, and communicate that through body language. There's so many ways, you know, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm the best to to speak about that but I feel that as a community all members have to play a part and especially being there for your guy friends being there for your male co-workers you have to you know if you're judging always someone and making jokes and cracking things here and there do you think people will feel comfortable talking to you about something they feel vulnerable about or or they fear of course not so in order for you to be someone that uh, that someone can walk up to and, and and ball out because that's how you know you're powerful by being very empathetic, by being very open. You know that's true influence. That's that that's a different type of influence that Donald Trump has, right? So, oh, yeah. so, so that is what truly wins, and that is what we will see over the next upcoming years. Uh, how the trend will go from youth changemakers taking on actions. We are we are a generation now that believes in themselves. We a generation that believes in missions and movements, and people will no longer stand to BS. We're not a money driven generation. We're a connected, we're a connection driven generation because we were ever so disconnected because of all the things that we have seen. We've seen how 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 jobs, how 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 corporate lives, how, how how so many things have led to. This rat race that has caused us to be so disconnected and lose that touch of, 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 of connection within ourselves. So all that we care for as a generation, as the upcoming generation, where it, whether it be a, a Gen Z or, 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 or you know, the, the, the 23 or the 25 year olds, which are considered, you know, touching Gen Z millennials. They are the generation that simply are saying, no, this is BS. I'm not choosing this life. And any way I can get out of it, I will. And therefore, they're they are the ones that are funding all my activities and people like me who are standing for movements and causes that actually better the quality of our life. And it's that simple. It's not, it's not a racial movement, it's not a it's 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 a quality of life movement. It's a human rights movement.
0: Yeah, and you bring up a really great point about, you know, things are changing and it's no longer a rat race because that's something I'm a firm believer in. It's just sometimes life moves too fast and you really just need to take that second, reconnect with the moment and just, you know, slow down because, you know, as fast as things are going, if if you're breathing fast and you're thinking fast, then you're going to get, it's going to lead to, you know, increased heart rate and you're going to get anxious. But you can just take that mental cue and kind of use it to backpedal and be like, you know what? I'm breathing a bit too fast, I'm feeling a little anxious, let's just take a second, let's slow down our words, let's slow down our voice, let's slow down our thoughts and really just try to reconnect with the moment. It's something like for me, like I don't have a, a ton of anxiety, but you know, sometimes you're overwhelmed with work and you just get a little bit anxious from too much coffee. And that's when you just slow down the thoughts and, you're, and you take a second. I hope you're enjoying the episode so far. Take a second, head over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a five star review and a comment. Let me know what you think of the podcast. Let me know what you want to see next. Let me know who you want me to interview. We really appreciate your feedback. It's going to help us grow the Deathbound Therapy podcast and promote the Deathbound Therapy lifestyle.
1: Yeah. And I mean, you, you talk about that. And it's it's interesting because we do still really live in this fast paced society where people aren't. You know, it's tough to pull back there. And you mentioned as well, like, you know, some people might have different challenges with this. Like when we think about, you know, men, for example, you brought up how, you know, still there's kind of this culture of, you know, men, you know, feeling like they should express their their struggles or their anxiety in different ways, for example, and, uh, you know, that you would see that in, in places like the workplace, too, you know, I, I could imagine. And again, disclaimer, you know, these are just kind of my opinions right now. But I, I, I would argue that in the workplace, you probably see this where men would be more likely to internalize this and just try to get through their daily tasks and, uh, you know, just maybe not feel as comfortable reaching out if they are feeling stressed or anxious or, you know, want to talk to someone else about something. They might kind of pull back there more. And, you know, I, I feel like it's, you know, it might not even just be a gender thing in general. There are still lots of people who would kind of bottle that up inside of them and just find it difficult to communicate that because it's, it's hard sometimes to do that. And it's, it's often harder for it to sit with it, but it's, it's hard to let that out sometimes.
0: Yeah. And you know, I feel like a lot of that's because, especially as men and even people in general, we tend to put on masks and we tend to, you know, kind of fake it and be like, or use like a bandaid or like alcohol and drugs to get over like stress and mental health, but we just need to s- remove that mask and remove that ego. And really like you were saying, just be vulnerable with it because that's the only way we're going to have a long-term solution. If we can get rid of this false identity, we have whether that be leading to not speaking up or not getting support or just telling yourself stories. So things don't appear as they are. If we can just, you know, strip away that mask and be more connected, like you said, with others and ourselves and it, things start to kind of, play out more naturally.
2: Yeah. And you know what? I, it takes a lot of courage to do that. I mean, you may be laughing at what I'm about to say, but unfortunately some people fear facing themselves. Some people fear questioning their true reality and their true existence and their why. It's simply not, it, it, it's a big question, you know? It, it, like, I don't take it for granted that I live from that state, but some people are, are completely They'd rather go on in life not knowing the answers and living the thrill of it rather than facing real challenges that, you know, inevitably will come up and rise because that's why uh, things thrive. Right. Um, And 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 I I just believe that I'm not I'm not targeting men here, but I, I think the issue lies heavily within, within, within our gender, just because typically women talk a lot, you know, go on Instagram, go on any mental health hashtag, look at the colors being used, look at the graphics being used. I'm not, I'm not a guru. I'm not saying something that we all don't know. Like, and the thing is, I'm not also trying to tell men, go out and cry and ball out in public. No, I'm, I'm, what I'm trying to say is becoming more understanding, having a real brother talk, understanding that, hey, hey man, I actually, I can feel you, I'm here, please feel free to open up with me, Um, if you need your space, please feel free to be comfortable, I am always going to be here, and just know that if you need anything, I'm a message away, I'm a call away, but you're never alone in this, that real sense of sort of ownership of your life gives him power to feel that No, I'm truly not, this guy cares. And once people think that other people care about them, guess what happens? They start to feel less lonely. They start to think less about suicide because because when you go to any suicide um, training um, course, the first thing they ask you is they ask you, you have to question the person right in front of you if you think they have any suicidal tendencies, to ask them, are you thinking of any suicidal thoughts? challenge them because if you hide it if you try to sugarcoat it which is what we are doing as a generation with mental health and the initiatives in the workplace and all these sugarcoating things we never get shit done so you want to learn treat it as treated as how we are this is just as severe in my point of view
1: Yeah, it's no, it's really interesting that you bring that up. Because, you know, you, you think about these, you know, suicidal assessments, or you think about anyone that would present for some sort of mental health treatment. And just to kind of go back to what you were saying, a lot of the time, people find it, it's scary to actually face themselves, you know, to really get in touch with those emotions. And you said, like, if you're a guy, maybe just to be able to to bro out about how you're actually feeling and, you know, not steer clear from that. And a lot of people will cover it up by making jokes or just, you know, making a small thing of it. But, you know, a lot of that, in my experience, at least, you know, through therapy come, it comes from fear. You know, like when someone comes to therapy and they're afraid of a spider, you know, you ask them how they deal with that fear and they'll say, well, I stay away from spiders, right? Because they're, they're scary. And people do the same with their emotions. You know, it's, Okay, well, you know, you sometimes feel sad. What do you do when you feel sad? Well, I just joke about it and pretend that it doesn't exist as well. So it's, you know, people are doing with their sadness what other people would be doing with spiders. You know, they're just staying away from it and hoping that that avoidance will kind of take care of it. And it doesn't a lot of the time. It just, it it can often make it worse, but it's scary to have to challenge that.
2: Yeah, and I often say that this, it's like a virus, man, if you don't. So if if something if, if you can't challenge or face this fear, it manifests into something else. It like pops into something else. So I can't. Uh, I couldn't say no to something. For example, uh, setting boundaries to yourself because that's one of the biggest things that I think youth go uh, or experience. If I can't set my boundaries for with this incident, guess what happens in another incident? It pops up there, and then before you know it, it just manifests in so many different ways. So what 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 what, what I think we're trying to get here is that. It becomes a virus if you don't face it. It it pops up everywhere, and you live from that state. You live from that infected s- state of self, and that isn't your your true uh, potential. And that is a disservice to your true self because you know you have to. Part of self love is what the what the coin word is self love, which I really am not a big fan of. Big fan of self respect. You cannot love yourself unless unless there, there's some sort of respect. There's boundary, There's you have to. I can't. Love someone without respecting them. So how can I love me without respecting me, right? If I can't, I, and, and, and I think that this is what we really need to understand. I think we really need to understand that, 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 that we have to be very in tune with how we feel, whether it be through journaling, getting out this emotion, even singing, dancing, expressing yourself, but not taming it down with, you know the outlets such as as you mentioned David or Jason alcohol drugs because these things are they're just a time ticking bomb, and I don't think anyone wants the bomb to tick on on their end right mhm
1: yeah absolutely it's it's true, and you know it's often those time ticking ones that you know that I've seen as well can be the easiest for people a lot of the time because they they provide that immediate quick fix it's It's like avoiding it right you know it just makes you feel better in the moment and because it makes you feel so good people think that it, it kind of does the trick and does what you want it to do yeah. but yeah sometimes like like you're kind of you know hinting at that that work sometimes has to come where it might be a, a little bit tougher to not you know turn to alcohol right away or not just avoid right away but you know it's really take an alternate approach and really kind of think about it as you're doing this and how it could actually be benefiting you in the long term yeah
2: and I must also put out that even as I say all that, I'm working on so many things. Like I, I have, I, we all have shortcomings. And I think that it, you would kind of be very naive to think that someone has it all together because as I'm working on right now, I, I sometimes I have a bad habit whenever I want to de-stress because I have a very stressful life. Sometimes I, I go out and have a cigar and guess what? I'm a, I'm across. Uh, well, I'm a, I'm a certified, well, I'm a trainer, huh? I'm a CrossFit level one trainer and I go to the, and, and, and I feel it in my endurance. And so I have my own, my own shortcomings. I have my own limitations as well, but being honest with them, even putting them out there gives you the ability to face them. And once you are honest and once you're around people, around friends, women, men, any person that has that same energy and lives from that state of vulnerability, you can then feel comfortable of being yourself. You can whether call it a safe space, name it or brand it however way you want it. But if you can be yourself around people, then you will be the person you want to be. But if you're if you're around people that you're afraid to say a specific thought and or if you're afraid to be judged in a certain way, then you're in the wrong circle. You're
0: in the wrong crowd. You walk out of there ASAP. Yeah, yeah. and a cool thing about that is start to attract people who are going to be available for you to open up to when you can truly be yourself or you can start to open up people will sense that but when you have a mask on people can sense your vibrations are off and something's off with you so they won't be you know comfortable going deep in conversation because it does go both ways you just like you said biologically we're all connected to each other so just by you know changing the way you approach the situation can attract a lot of people into your life and sometimes it just you can't really think about it. It just, it just happens and you meet great people who you can eventually, you know, console and, and talk with and
1: have a support yeah. network. Yeah. And that, that realness that that you guys were, were mentioning is just, it, it's so real. I mean, there's no better way to describe it because if, if you're constantly putting on this face and constantly feeling like you, you have to put on a face that that's tough in and of itself, you know, not being able to be you and not being able to show people who you are. Like that's a a really tough thing to navigate and you know maybe constantly feeling like you're on guard it's it's hard to operate in that kind of a situation
0: yeah
2: I had a question for david and and, and, and for Jason as well. Um, how do you think um, so I, I know you talk to many clients about you know the, their experiences at work and with desk bound therapy um, doing the great work that it does. I, I wanted to know a little bit more do, do you ever hear your clients? sort of talk about their mental health or are there any trends you're noticing or like how how does it all sort of come together from your end perhaps?
0: Well I have this one client in particular he's just never enthusiastic about anything like a lot of the times like he's just very complacent he's not very enthusiastic and I find that like he just blames everything on his job he's like oh it's taking my energy my cardio is bad so I I see a lot of cycles of like blaming the workplace environment taking and and kind of taking away from their goals and you'll have other people who who more just need help with like stress and stuff like that more like strategies and and mindset and stuff like that or you'll get people who are you know dieting at work and they get very stressed out when you know when there's like potlucks or when they're invited to go out so a lot of it really depends person to person but everyone is generally dealing with their own thing but it it does revolve around you know workplace stress and anxiety and stuff like that but Mm -hmm. a lot of the things i do with my coaching is when someone comes to me we don't just do fitness like mindset is such a big component like the first like one or two or even three hours of coaching calls are all mindset like we're going pretty deep like what what is the why behind your goals what is the why behind your why what do you really want what is really holding you back and a lot of like i use a lot of stuff jason's taught me actually but like reframing people's thoughts and really learning their thought pattern that way we can help them at their core instead of you know just you know Work out seven days a week. Track your macros. Sleep eight hours. Without trying to find out who the person really is deep down, because it just like again, if I just give someone everything, it's gonna act as you know a crutch, as if I can give them what they need versus what you know what they need versus what
1: they want. Kind of find the balance. Yeah, and just to to add on to that, so yeah, David and I have have had a, a few combos about this, and um, you know, again, kind of another disclaimer, like nothing we would say or could substitute for something like in-person therapy to actually hear this from a you know you know from someone like David or from a, from someone else who could provide this kind of service but, but when you think about what actually motivates people at the workplace a lot of the time you, you know you see that a lot of people have these lists of goals that they want to get through they have these checklists whether it's you know their work to do list or you know the things that they do around work whether it's you know dieting or exercising or whatever that might be but a, a lot of the time it's it's hard to stay motivated if if these people can't connect things to what's important to them. So, you know, someone meets this goal of a certain weight, for example, that they're trying to get to. Once you get to that certain weight, what happens then? You know, at that point that person is either going to strive for another goal or they're maybe going to lose the progress that they've made because that goal wasn't a, a means to any end. And you know, to, I, I mean at least in my experience, I find that the end to connect it to is, is something that's meaningful for them. So you know you, you want to be thinking it that you know with clients of how to how to frame this for them like why is it important for you to lose weight like if you were an X weight you know what what would being that weight do for you like if you could imagine yourself thirty years down the road and you were still that weight and living that healthy lifestyle why would that be important to you you know you get people saying things like well you know I want to be around for my my partner and my kids my grandkids. whatever it is you know they connect it to something bigger than themselves and that kind of provides a bigger purpose that we often lose touch with when we're thinking about these like really small goals that we try to meet yeah well said jason well
2: said that was very well said jason yeah yeah i don't know if
1: you guys have any thoughts about that where you've like seen people try to meet these little goals or anything and you know sometimes that motivation fades as people are kind of going through that Yeah, I I find
0: motivation to be a tricky word because like motivation, yeah, it's like, okay, yeah, it's like a buzzword almost. Like, oh, this video is going to motivate me or my coach is going to motivate me. But at the end of the day, like you have to have that that deep internal desire. More intrinsic motivation than extrinsic is usually what we see because that's more like we talked about, not drugs specifically, but instant gratification. And that's something like I find, I've been working on lawn recently with my clients and myself is not giving into that instant gratification. Yeah. When
2: I think that, Hey, look, Jason, you've nailed that. I think that, you know, <laughs> there's a reason why be meaningful uh, is dot com. I believe it's called that. Yeah. It's, it's a job searching platform. You know, people want more meaning in their lives. You know, that's, that's part of the revolution that's coming up because everyone's so tired of ticking off boxes, right? People want to feel that, I mean, that that's sort of what happens when you are lonely, right? That's that's why I'm doing this, because when I ask myself now, okay, why am I live? Why am I gonna live? Because I definitely have a purpose to live. You know, when you're at your lowest, you ask yourself very hard questions. You know, when you're so suicidal and you're, and then you reach to you reach to conclusions where they finally make you feel full. They finally make you feel alive. And guess what? When you feel alive, or when the thought of something makes you feel alive, that is purposeful and like shakes you to your core. Then you have to. Chase that because that's better than chasing anything else, right? That's curiosity. That's that, that's that's what we're talking about. So you re- you really nailed it there. And it never never then is about the check mark because you get to the check mark, and when you say what next, you answer yourself. It was never about what was next. Yeah. It was never about what then, and that could be even even when you make you know when you make any result you ever desired. There's no more what then it's, it's, it, it, it is what it is. It's, it's your why that is what you had at point zero and what you will have at point a hundred and what you will, you will keep going with when you're a point a thousand, no matter where, where you go. And I think this is how sort of the, the, I call it the, the, the youth revolution, the, the mindset revolution is happening. People are understanding that it's never about, um, it, it, like tangible, uh, goals. It's, it's really about your inner inner inner, deepest desire and what moves that because everyone's story is different everyone is so different from what moves them to what motivates them some people are motivated just by love and that is enough that could be just as you know just as impactful as someone doing something crazy you know and, and finding a cure to a, d- a disease. You know, we all, you can't measure these things. And I feel that what we need to really understand is no one is better than anyone for doing whatever they choose to do because we all are born for a specific purpose. And, and sometimes that purpose is to just live life and figure that purpose out. There's no such thing as I found it or I'm still finding it. There's some, you know that you're on the right track when you're when you're in tune and when you're aligned with what you're doing what you're thinking, and your true values. And that
1: is your purpose. You find that on the way. Yeah, yeah, super interesting. I th- yeah, I've always loved that approach. And that's, it's very interesting the way you say that because it, it, I also think it's kind of about finding what's really important to it. And thinking about kind of the, the workplace, bringing this back, do you think that if you can connect you know, what you're doing to what's important to you do, you, do you think that would kind of have implications that would spill over into... How much people are are liking what they're doing? Because I, I I still feel like we hear a lot these days about how people are often disconnected from their work or disconnected. Hundred percent. Imagine yeah. you
2: imagine you're spending forty hours a week on something you're not connected to. Hell, that's gonna cause a shit ton of friction in your in your in yourself, right? Imagine if 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 you're at work, and and one of the values that you know, or one of the things that you have to do at work, are significantly against your values, like that diminishes. Like, I think of self-respect or the way you see yourself is the most important thing in the world. That's why when people walk in some rooms, some everybody looks at them and they know, no one knows who the hell that person is, but their aura, that sense of ownership, that is something you own by staying extremely true to your values and learning how to say no and learning how to set your boundaries because... All- well, the work is part of your life. Your life is what you choose it to be. So if you're choosing, it's like choosing a wrong partner. I mean, I mean, you're probably spending more time with at work than you are at home. So, you know what I mean? It's It's imperative, it's imperative that people are practicing who they are at work and if they're not feeling that work is aligning, look, there's a big difference between not liking your work and there's a big difference between your work being uh, fundamentally against a core belief or, or, or against a, a, a core value. Uh, and that is, and that one is diminishing and one you can sort of, you know, reframe and ask, why are you not liking it? Perhaps it's a, it's a boss thing. It's a, it's a colleague thing, but yeah, the work isn't too bad, but you're not simply motivated or there's some aspect of your life that's affecting that. That's a whole nother dime- dilemma. But the dilemma I am talking about is a dilemma where there's simply something you are doing at work that you fundamentally do not agree with and goes against your values, whether it be religious, moral, ethical. That is something that diminishes your own um, self-image, self-respect, the way you see yourself. And that is just as, as, as deadly as smoking. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not scientific enough to say this, but I, I think that's a sin.
1: That is a sin to yourself. That's a true disservice to yourself. Yeah, absolutely. I I totally agree. And I was kind of wondering as well, David, have you kind of seen anyone at, at work who's really being challenged by what's what's important to them, or just trying to to fit that into their their workplace environment. Well, specifically, I haven't seen people who've had
0: like issues with like their morals in terms of where they work. Because I see I work with a lot of professionals who, you know, sometimes they just they're bored and they're not happy, but they don't have that. A lot of them don't have that desire. To, you know, it's it's when they're middle aged to switch careers, but you know they they try to manage that stress but this is just a message for those there you know if you aren't happy while you're doing it's never too late to, you know pick things back up switch careers maybe apply for a better job but try to you know if you find something that's more fulfilling for you, you're you gonna have less stress and have less anxiety while you're there you know if you're putting yourself through that day-to-day that you're not enjoying that it's gonna eventually you know take that toll on your mental health you're just gonna be to wake up and you're not gonna want to get out of bed and you're like oh let me just let's just you know forget about this let's go eat a bunch of food at the end of the day you know you're not gonna feel empowered at anything that you're doing and I feel like you need to be in this state it's not just a, a one kind of situation thing but it's a being empowered and
1: throughout the way you carry yourself in life And I actually, I kind of had another question. So this is on a a bit of a a tangent, but you know, even when work is, is really meaningful for someone, you know, we, we think about how it it could be exhausting over time, right? Like if you're doing a, like a nine to five or a nine to six job, for example, even if you're really loving it, like at, at least from what I've heard, like it's still, it's still pretty tiring over time. So do you have any thoughts about how you can navigate that or how you can kind of encourage people to, to take breaks and anything like that that would be maybe useful for mental health there yeah 100
2: percent. it was funny because that actually that same question was asked to me two days ago um look there are two types of people some people that finish work at six and feel completely depleted and some people that finish at six and they're extremely rejuvenated and they go back home to work because they can't wait or the five hours that they have to do something that they're extremely elated about that they're extremely excited about now when you ask me how can you be uh, uh, how can you get from a to B I'll tell you well it's all a mindset right um, it's all about um, it's it's all about first of all that's why holistic health is very important mental health is not just a uh, you know a couple of mantras and uh, CBT and uh, and and all, and, all, and all those things it's it's holistic so you have to understand that You are a person. Your body is a machine, and if you don't feed it well, and if you don't rest it well, then it will, you know, fail on you. It's simple, like any machine. You know, you take care of your dog, you you take care of your kids, you take care of your partner, or or, or, you know, you, you exchange things. You have to exchange, you know, your currency with your body is the way you treat it. Because at the end of the day, how to get from that point A to that point B is what you're feeding your mind and how you're perceiving your day in that job. So for example, a person may go to work at 9. Person A listens to music and you know doesn't really isn't thinking about his what what this day presents him. Person B may wake up and be like this is such a beautiful day. I'm grateful for XYZ. I know I have to be at work because this work allows me to have this financial to, you know, in five years' time, but I know in five years' time, because of what I'm doing from 6 till, till 11, I'll be able to get there. And I know there are three things that I need to get done today after I, I, I go to work, after I get back from work. And these things are A, B, and C. So going to, the, going to work, he's listening to a podcast. Coming back from work, he's listening to a podcast. He's excited. He goes to work. He's smiling because he's not there because... He needs him. He's smiling because he's there because he's feeling empowered that he's chosen a job so that he can be financially independent in five years. Things make sense to him versus person A that has nothing made sense for him just because he's not put a plan, he's not put a strategy. I'm a strategist in life. I'm not just a motivate. Like I don't motivate people. You're not going to be motivated if you have no strategy. If you have no plan. If you can't see the finish line, how, why are you even going to bother run? But if you can see the finish line, and you can see people cheering, guess what? You'll be like a kid running and you won't be able to stop. That's the difference between person a and person B. You always want to be b. you never want to be a
1: That's a pretty powerful analogy. What do you think there? Yeah, yeah, I think so too. I think that that's super powerful, and I think that that has implications for just in you know incorporating you know things that David does as well, like like movement and whatnot. I think that just you know being that person b who can. Get in there and really do you know what's important to them, and just you know feel motivated to kind of get through that. I think that's a a really big thing. Yeah, I like how you
0: mentioned having a plan because that's something I like to advocate. Is you know planning when you're going to take your work breaks throughout the day, so you know these are times where you can relax, you can move a little, you can stretch, you can put some effort into you know giving back to your body after you know maybe you sit an hour. So I like to tell people, know in the morning, choose some activity whether it be meditation, moving, walking. Just choose something that can kind of get you connected with your body. And then, you know, start to plan your day. See when you have your meetings. Plan your movement breaks around that. That way you, you're you giving yourself time to downregulate. Aside from bef- before you get to that point of completely stressed out and you're like, oh, I don't know what to do now. So try to, you know, plan ahead to counteract those breaks. It's something I really find to be beneficial. Yeah, I mean, planning
2: for breaks is something I personally lack. Uh, and I need to get on that. Sometimes I you know i i yeah i talk a lot about mental health and i talk a lot about how to how to really um take care of yourself and i always need to put it out there that sometimes you know you are a human being as well um you have to understand that no matter how uh, productive effective efficient you think you are i falter in that realm of taking breaks i sometimes forget to eat because and i feel very anxious for some reason i'm like uh-huh. well I went for eight hours and I didn't drink water, for example, or, or I drank, I'm, I've been on coffee because yeah, it doesn't make me want to eat. That makes sense. Oh, I need a. So again, I think intention is very important. Just as you set your intention in your professional uh, career, you also have to set it and, and respect yourself and your personal needs, because just like you can burn out, uh, that is going to, that, that's inevitably going to happen if you don't focus on your human need, as well as taking breaks, as well as communicating with people, as well as, you know, yes, you're on a life. Yes, you figured out your why. You found everything. You're so full of life. You're, you're, everything looks perfect in the inside. But guess what? If you just cave in sometimes, which is sometimes like what I do, I forget that, wow, I'm, I'm still a human being. I want to connect with people. And sometimes that can bring you back to point A the loneliness part so it's all an art there's there's an art to I call it emotional mastery and I call it you know living a life that 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 truly um is purpose-driven and 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 full of connection and that is there's no there's no right or wrong it's a science it's personal management and that you learn with I'm still learning it and I'll always be still learning it but you know if we can have these conversations as we're learning it that's how we get better by sharing each other's thoughts so I really appreciate you sharing with that that with us David because I, I think that you know breaks are extremely important and if you we call that in fitness active rest so we don't call it rest days we call them active rest you know if you don't give your muscle some time to recover then you're you're working out on an inflamed muscle you're actually not growing it you're you're hindering it so you need to understand where that soft part is and be able to say, hey, you know what? Part of me going out to see people or part of me do taking uh, taking time out to myself is for my growth, which is what I am after. So I'm gonna have fun. And I'm gonna intend to have fun. Because some people when they're entrepreneurs are like saw, 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 saw. all about passion for the cause. I need people to no 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 take a step back because this is actually killing your growth. So at the end of the day Mental health isn't
1: a conversation about oh, depression, anxiety. It's a it's a conversation about growth as well. Yeah, I actually really like that point, kind of comparing it to, to physical injury as well, just being able to to take care of your own mental health. Because I feel like people still have this different perception of mental health where you don't need rest to make it better. You know, like you said, if you have an you know, an inflamed joint or muscle or whatever, the doctor is going to tell you to relax and take it easy. And that will be the best form of recovery. But we don't treat mental health the same way. It's not a case of well, you're feeling burnt out. So you know, take a bit of time off and take care of your own needs and then get back into it. It's a case of well, you just have to keep going and and things will get better. But that's kind of that's kind of counterintuitive, because that's the opposite of what we would hear with physical issues. So it's, there's kind of this disconnect. And it, I really like that analogy of, of saying, yeah, like, you know, you have to take care of your mental health as well.
2: Yeah. And I mean, you know, I'll put it out there that Deloitte, I was at a Rotman uh, conference a week ago. And for the first time, uh, you know, the, the conference was made to actually discuss a report Deloitte put out and it's the first time they can, they ever were able to quantify a return on investment, an ROI on mental health initiatives. And uh, you know, we can put this um, report out to to the listeners that are interested in reading it. It's only like a twenty page report, and it's public. Uh, it's it's all over the the web. Um, but that was revolutionary because you know the biggest challenge is that. How can, how can I put a return as a business as an employer on something i can't see okay he's sick I get it he looks a bit you know bluey reddish he's he needs to stay home he's he broke his arm he can't work but what about the other the other things that are are, are stress related that we can't see and what that report came to conclude is that mental health initiatives and you know we can go into specificities at a later time but Every dollar spent in, on employees, um, on, on mental health initiatives for employees returned a $4.8 return um, in productivity and presenteeism and so many other things in the workplace. So that was revolutionary because um, that's essentially where things will go in, in the future, whether we like it or not, just because of the whole conversation we're talking about. Uh, corporates will change. Uh, they have to because this epidemic is, gonna, is, is happening. So it's a matter of how can we tangi- make it tangible and reports like this will start coming up because it opened a lot of eyes into ways that you know, we can take the conversation forward and from this podcast, you know, start to live life where employers can then give mental health uh, benefits and, and can see the, the return on that because that two years ago, one year ago was like, what do you want about?
0: You know, that's actually really amazing to hear because I was doing a podcast yesterday. We're talking about ergonomics and it came up. We talked about how a lot of the times, you know, a lot of the times you just, it just, I don't know how to say it, but we talked about kind of a lot of the times when you people, if you, sorry, if you're more productive at work, then you people are just sitting there stressing out when, you know, maybe they finish their work in the morning And the afternoon comes and they're just sitting there doing nothing, stressed out, twiddling their thumbs. But, you know, if we can make people more productive with moving better, with, like you said, these mental health initiatives, then hopefully the cultural shift will change. Like we talked about earlier, the rat race will be more, you know, flexible work hours, prioritize people's mental health more, less, you know, stigma when someone comes in late because they have to go to therapy, et cetera. But I think there's going to be a lot of societal level changes in the next year or two,
1: definitely, maybe in the next five years. Yeah, I totally agree, and I I think we've already started to see them. You know, like you you talked about. You know, there, there are these studies being done on you know ROI of actually looking at mental health, and you know, I I would argue that this is revolutionary, kind of like you were alluding to as well. Like, you know, we don't we haven't seen studies like this done up until recently. You know, mental health is being conceptualized so differently, but you know, just realizing that this goes beyond. Just focusing on mental health as a construct, like even thinking about it from a business model, like there is a return on investment, there is an economic benefit in really valuing someone's mental well being and trying to find a way to ensure that they're, you know, producing optimally there and actually being able to take care of themselves in the process. Mm, 100%. Yeah. And so I, I did have kind of a, a follow up question. Okay you know, when we think about, um, you know, when we think about people who are actually, you know, going to work and, and, you know, going through those hours, um, you know, do you, this is kind of a question for both of you, do do you have any thoughts about how to make the workplace maybe more um, amenable to those mental health needs? Like, is there anything someone could be doing in their own Office or with their own desk on their space,
2: collaborative space, Collaborative space. Get rid of all the cubicles. Collaborative spaces. People want to be connected. People want to go to work and not feel that they're being separated. People. People are lonely. People. People want to talk. People want to mingle, but people still want to get productive. Take all the. Take all the uh, office sort of. You know, have a startup vibe in a company. That's the only way to make sure people are creative, producing more. Look at how Google's doing their stuff. Like, I think, I think we should learn. I mean, we shouldn't, we shouldn't have to wait until a report comes out and then think that, Oh, people are, and and discover what, 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 what we already know. I I think that in hindsight, just like the world, Health organization, we're now like 20 days away from 2020, I believe, or 21 days, 22 days, world health organization predicted that depression was going to be the leading cause of disability, like around eight, 10 years ago. So, how long are we going to keep waiting? And so like the answers are already in front of our eyes. Um, it's not new. It's not, it's not, it's not new science. It's, it's, it's really about time. We understand the, the, the extremities of, of our, of our decisions or our ignorance.
0: Yeah. I love what you say about the cubicles. Cause before I, I you know, I did this whole desk plan therapy everything I was, you know, designing websites and they threw me the cubicle And I just felt so disconnected and I felt like everyone was always gossiping about me or, or watching over my shoulder. And it just didn't feel like a good environment, like the overall vibrations and like, just didn't feel good. And then also things that I like, now that I'm really concerned about, is you know, what my work set up at home is, you know, moving the clutter, moving the distractions, trying to promote positivity and inspiration. So whether that's, you know, having plants in the office or having some essential oils or whatever, you know, makes you feel good. I feel like a lot of things are, are so true and especially how it's crazy. We haven't seen that in eight to 10 years, but the time to act is now, right guys. Yeah,
1: I totally agree. there's no better time.
0: I think, uh, I mean, I'm going to
2: put it out there. People who aren't going to take action right now are, are on the losing teams. So I think, I think, I think if you want to win in business and if you want to win in personal life as well, um, the only way to go is to care. And I, I'll always say it, and I'll say it again, empathy always wins. You want to care about your people, take care of your people, people take care of your business. That's it. Whether it's yeah, personal.
0: Yeah, we've done a lot of these, you know, desk bond therapy workplace initiatives. We're trying, you know, do team building, get people together for, you know, meditation, yoga, you know, stretching at their desks together. And I feel like, you know, it's only going, one person's got a value from this and they got to just tell the next person then it'll just become a trend. You know, it's more than just, you know, doing some meditation at your desk that obviously helps but we got up as we talked earlier you know go deeper find the root cause find happiness you know it, 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 it it's all connected like I, I believe meditation is something everyone should do mm. but there's so much more to that you can't give someone who's you know extremely depressed oh just meditate and you'll get better that's just one very powerful piece of the puzzle yeah
1: yeah, and I, I mean we th- we think about what we're talking about as well. You know, ma- kind of getting rid of this aloneness and making this a group experience. And I, you know, I mean, in my personal experience, I've, you know, think we started to see this being done in some workplaces as well that are incorporating you know group mindfulness sessions, for example, over lunch or kind of you know these PD sessions that that are bringing people together to to work on these skills. And I think that that's a, a huge development in the workplace that. You know, is, is still pretty recent, and is I think is up and coming, which is huge. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to that.
2: Yeah, I'd also add that leadership needs to incorporate um, a lot of empathy and a lot of uh, and a lot of understanding because uh, nowadays you have a big, big, big conversation around. Well, if the next generation has that that much they're dealing with, well, shouldn't we equip our leaders with a little bit more of emotional intelligence? <laughs> shouldn't we? Like, how are you going to judge if, you know, someone's okay or not? How are you going to be able to take care of those, you know, people that are going to be working for you, the, the ones that are going to enter the workforce that that are entering right now? You know, if you're not, if you're not where they're at, then you're losing out because you're going to lose out on turnover. You're going to lose out. So from an economic standpoint, like, yes, mental health, mental health, but like, let's talk business so that with mental health is that I've seen so many cool initiatives, so many cool campaigns, money being thrown here and there everywhere. But at the end of the day, like actions like negligible to me, like what I, what you can count uh, because at the end of the day is, uh, look at how many companies implement workplace initiatives, uh, mental health initiatives um, versus other initiatives, for example. And why I say that is because who are the decision leaders in companies that make those decisions, whether it's C-level executives or or, or 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 leadership positions. Well, if you look at stats, eighty percent of them are male, are men. Now, if men don't have conversations like that, how do you expect them to sign checks of millions? So, where do you start? You know, talk about the why, 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 why. Well, why isn't Canada then okay? Then 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 charities exist, but why aren't charities that effective? Then uh, you have to once you narrow all the all the why's, you will figure out well, who are the decision makers? oh, wow, now we're talking, now we find the issue. And the issue is always going to be around the people that are at high stakes, that are the key players, and we're not involving them because we somehow think that, I mean, over, over time, we're going to be those leaders, but we need change right now. We can't wait. We really can't wait. So it's what you're saying, David. Um, so this has to come out, and that's essentially what I've sort of set out my mission with my own everything that I'm doing and, and, and with my podcast, with my message, with, with everything I say, it's, it's, it's empathy always wins. You want to win personal life, deeper meaningful relationships. You want to have a, 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 simply overall a better quality life care. The best marketing strategy is care now we don't want to do business for business we want to do business with people we like we want to include our lives with our business we don't want to feel like we're working and that's one part of our life and then we're going back home and that's another we want to feel like there's a holistic approach how do you make sure that that happens Well, you take care of your mind you make the right decision
0: yeah and you bring up a great point emotional intelligence because you know a lot of people have no clue what that means and um i actually just finished this course called intro to the PT profession for physiotherapy. And we had this lecture about emotional intelligence and pretty much what it said was, you know, 80% or maybe 90% of success as a leader is having, you know, emotional intelligence. So that, like what you're saying, it has been, you know, backed up by numerous, numerous studies, but again, it's tend to not be people, a lot of people don't know what it is, but, you know, having that emotional intelligence, you know, helps you be more, have more humility. If you're not, you're a boss, you know, you know, be open, you know, I struggle too, and let, let your colleagues know that, et cetera. Yeah, and it helps
2: you get further in life. I, I mean, look, there's so many things that studies will not be able to, to, to showcase, but uh, yeah. I swear by experience that, you know, opportunities come, people like you. People like, if you can give someone a drug, okay, and tell them that that drug will make everyone like you and will make you be in harmony with everyone. And that will never be able to be taken away from you. That's how expensive that drug is going to be. And that drug is right in you. That is, that is empathy. That is emotional intelligence. It's simple. It's really that simple. You want to be, if you, if you want to be a person that really wants to live a good quality life with all that we are saying, not be lonely and, and, and really, really, really drive and hone in that message with your brothers, with your boys or with your, you know, whoever you want to call them just make sure that there's this human connection as if you're a kid you're like "Hey, man i actually miss you how's everything like i miss you it's been a while man okay love you take care bro if you need anything i'm that connection even if you want to drive it solid with this sense of you know owner like with this tone you don't have to be soft Empathy is and self empathy is human is is, is humility is, is it's part of us. It's we're human beings, and the fact that we need to get back in touch with our inner kid spirit or child spirit—that is the only way that we will have this energy that will allow us to penetrate through all the noise that is in today's world. Which it's a very noisy world today, and that's why,
0: um, I, that's why we're having to deal with all these things. Yeah, one last comment before we jump into the rapid fire question segment at the end. But one thing I've noticed ever since trying to, you know, really speak my truth and be more vulnerable is you really kind of open up another part of a person's soul, right? If you can really be vulnerable and the energies are all balanced, like I've had some crazy deep conversation. Like I just met, like, for example, there's someone I, this was like a month or two ago, but I just met them. It was like the second time we ever hang out. And we were just so on the same level in terms, you know, being vulnerable that we were talking about things I never thought I'd talk about with a stranger. But, yeah, pretty cool stuff. But now we're going to finish off with our rapid-fire questions, new segment on the podcast. I'm going to ask you five or ten questions. Give me right off the top of your head your answer. First one for you, Ali. How do you find work-life balance without losing your sanity and feeling guilty? Fine every day the night before. If you had the world's attention for one minute, what would you say? Empathy always wins. I love it. I love it. Um, What is your morning routine like? Wake up, pray, read, call my mom, get to work. Right. And what's one habit that you're currently working on?
2: Maintaining a solid fitness regimen with my lifestyle.
0: Very cool. Very cool. What do you wish people knew more about you? Is that I'm very flexible, but I give off a very tough vibe. Very easy. Who's your greatest inspiration and why? Greatest inspiration. Um, Greatest inspiration.
2: Uh, My grandfather. Why? Because I. uh, Because he's my legacy. He's uh, he's my legacy. I think that uh, it's 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 part of being being a proud Egyptian. Being yeah he's he's everything i i ever think of when i think of a guy or a gentleman and i aim to be that sort of masculine version of him as well
0: that's powerful that's powerful we got two more for you here so what is um one skill you would like to master emotional intelligence i love it that's powerful that's powerful And the last one, a little fun one here. What food would you rate 10 out of 10? You can take a masala with a seal right on the dot. <laughs> oh, man. He yeah. had it right although he knew what I was saying. Yeah. <laughs> he had that ready.
2: Yeah.
0: All right, man. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast today. Let the listeners know where they can, you know, engage with their magazine. Maybe get some, join your Facebook group, et cetera. Get some
2: connected. Yeah. Well, like, you can reach out to me. I'm very active on Instagram at uh, A-L-L-Y. S a l a m a at Ali Salama with a and salami, but with an a. <laughs> that, <laughs> that, 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 that's how people remember, you know. Just, <laughs> but on, uh, yeah, and, and feel free to reach out to me. I, uh, I uh, I'm always um, I'm always available for for interesting chats. And uh, if you live in Toronto, I'd love to go out for coffee whenever I can. But honestly, my whole sort of takeaway from this is first of all, I want to say thank you, David. Thank you, Jason. Uh, for having me, um, whenever I can use my voice for 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 good um, cause, I, I I'm always there. But it, and then it, I just have one final message. We've had a great conversation. We've spoken, but now what am I and you going to do? What What are we going to take forwards from now on? Like when you shut your phone, when the podcast ends, how is this gonna add to my life? And I personally will go back and write two things that I've learned from this podcast, but I want to at least let our viewers listen to or, or, or come up with one thing that they would like to take away. Because if you can take away one lesson from every experience that you have, by the time you've had many experiences, you'll be a very wise person. And that's the secret to my life. I take every single experience interaction and get one lesson out of it and the, when i work on that one lesson that's something i can digest i don't write a book after meeting someone that's fascinating i take one thing and i i become a version of everything i get exposed to but if you can take one thing from this podcast what will it be and how will it improve your life And make sure you act on it
0: self-respect you. you heard it first i love it thank you Awesome. Thanks, man. Uh, we'll have to have you on again. Season two was great having you as our final guest of season one. This was a great conversation. Thank and you. David. Thanks a lot.